Hey, hello everybody. Welcome to Killer Serials. I'm Tony Jones. Hey, I'm Ryan Parker. We're a couple dudes with PhDs in theology who watch a lot of TV and talk about it on a weekly basis. We pick a show, we break it down episode by episode, week by week, and we are on our second consecutive show on Hulu, the Hulu network, the streaming network, and they're killing it. Yeah. And this show is called The Handmaid's Tale, based on the novel by Margaret Atwood. We are on episode six. Which, Entitled A Woman's Place. Which Ryan thinks is a pivotal episode in the series. I think it's the definitive episode you of the series. You haven't watched the rest of the episodes, bro. I don't care. It tell, <laughs> it, it's, the, it's the episode. It feels more definitive than the pilot. Why don't you give I mean, us a rundown of just a, a quick re- recap. Okay, in this episode we get no flashbacks to June's life, to oh, Offord's life. right. We, to get those flashbacks instead from Mrs. Waterford. Mrs. Waterford. Her relationship with Fred. Yep. And her involvement in birthing Gilead, which she was instantly ousted from. I find it extremely frustrating as a viewer to not know what led to the revolution in, the, in Gilead. And I have resisted, like going online to read and get background because I don't I want the show to tell me because I know I could go online and like find full backstory whatever but it they are really teasing it out the the birth of Gilead but you're right we see more in this episode than we've probably ever seen and those flashbacks we reveal that she was a woman of some intellect maybe it was put in the wrong direction in the wrong direction. She was an author. But she was an author. Public she, speaker. She um, was a very vibrant person, yeah. right? A per, uh, had a kind of a bright personality. Um, and again, she's she's pushed aside. She's cast aside because the leadership says a woman's place is obviously in the home um, and bearing children. And Fred doesn't agree with that at first. Fred wants her to be part of the movement. Right. And uh, so he is... There's a little bit of, I don't know any other way to say it, there's a little bit of humanity to him in this episode. Well, well, I know for sure what we see is that in the present day, when Mrs. Waterford offers to help. or says, Which he's done multiple times throughout the let's series. Talk this, like, let's talk this through, you know. Yeah, he's he like, shuts her down. Yeah, he shuts her down. Whereas in the flashback, he's like, we're in this together. He's a champion. He's he, her like, champion. He tries to get her in front of some governmental commission and she's got like note cards prepared to give a speech, and then he comes out and like, they don't let her in the room. They don't let her in the room. Yeah, and so, she kind of um, sucks it up and walks away. Like she doesn't cry. She doesn't. She shows some, some real strength. She, great performance too. But in in real time in the world of Gilead now, the Mexican ambassador is paying Fred a visit, and mo- this episode is basically devoted to that visit, and. She attends, she visits his house, and they have a big banquet dinner. And basically, this is Mexico's opportunity to see the handmaids up close. Yeah. Because it's clearly we've had mention of a news report in the Toronto Star a couple of episodes ago. So other countries aren't practicing this. This is Gilead's practice. Some people are skeptical of it. Some people are critical of it. And then we learn as the episode progresses that the 
ambassador is actually there to negotiate trade talks with Gilead to receive handmaids. Yeah. And when Offred realizes this, it puts, I mean, she's, she's just flabbergasted, right? I, I think, so that's, that's kind of a bit about what happens in the, in the episode. I say it's a defining episode because it reveals without kind of any sort of uh, violent, like any sort of explicit physical violence that we've seen throughout the series so far. I think it's the most violent episode hmm. of the season so far in its psychological violence and its demoralization of women, both with Mrs. Waterford and Alfred and her sister handmaids. And then again, I think uh, we were saying this before we started recording. I think it is, will be one of the defining Elizabeth Moss's defining roles. And this is the defining performance. Elizabeth Moss is incredible in this episode. Incredible. She's not nominated for, because it's always a crapshoot, but if she's not nominated, like for who wins, if she's not nominated for an Emmy, that's a, you know, as these things go, it's a pretty grave injustice because she was brilliant in this episode. This episode, she was incredible. Okay, time for Tony's hot take. Insert sound effect here. Ryan, check this I like out. Your idea. I like your idea of stealing the one from Weekend Update. Yeah. The needle scratch. Time okay. for Tony's hot take. Let me hear it. Go. You ready for this, Ryan? Here's my hot take. There is a, There are two scenes that I'm going to point to, okay? There's a scene where Offred is in the... Uh, commander's study and they're having before dinner drinks okay and the mexican ambassador basically says how are you like shoot straight with me are do you feel safe you know do you like it did you make a good choice and offered you know there's this long pregnant pause and offered is like i have found happiness okay yeah i'm with you then Another scene, dinner party, that later that night, the wives in the blue dresses are all standing, kind of standing around the corner. Same thing, the, the Mexican ambassador says to Mrs. Waterford, you know, like, I, rem- I read your book. We don't know anything about this. This is the first reveal of this. Like, I read your book. I remember watching on TV when you spoke at that rally. You got arrested. Like, you were quite firing, and she's kind of like, well, those were di- I, had a, I had a temper back then, you know, and now you can't even read, now, you know, like, now you can't allow, you're not even allowed to read your own book anymore. And, and she's basically covers and is like, you know, we chose the better path, et cetera, okay? Yeah, I'm In with the you. same week, we get that on Hulu. We've got the revelation from my friends, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, I only say that because I've been on their show one time. You can see that footage on TonyJ.net. Shameless, shameless plug. TonyJ.net. I almost made Mika cry. Watch it. I promise you it's true. Joe and Mika reveal that this summer, when they would end their interviews with Kellyanne Conway, she would say, I need to go take a shower after talking on behalf of Donald Trump, the candidate. No. You didn't see this. No, I didn't see this. Oh, my gosh. She's like, I hate lying for this guy. I can't stand him. I don't believe anything he stands for. I need to go take a shower every time I get off the TV from talking about this. In the same week, we hear that um, just after this, yesterday, it, was, it came out from White House Press Corps 
that there was so much screaming and shouting that they could hear in Sean Spicer's office coming between him and Steve Bannon that they turned up all the TVs in the White House briefing room so people couldn't hear them screaming at each other. There's all this question about whether Spicer is going to be fired this week or whether he's going to be fired in August. There's all this question about is uh, McMaster got sent out to defend Trump and he's squandering his own credibility. Then Reince Priebus is about to be fired even though he's gone on TV many times. Okay, so my point is this. All these people are lying. They are lying to cover up a Trump administration that they don't believe in, that they think is terrible, but they're just doing it to save their own skin. Offer sure. does the same thing. So does Mrs. Waterford. They betray their consciences in order to cover for the commander. Later in, so there's my hot take. Close out. That's, that's a bold take. Okay. Because I think that's an unfair categorization of Offred. Oh, I think it's no. fair. I think it's fair for Mrs. Waterford, but I don't think it's Why fair for Offred. Why does Offred lie in that office? Why does she lie? Because she she has no other choice. She'd be sent to the colonies or worse. Well, later in the episode, she changes her tune and she starts to sing like a canary in front of the Mexican ambassador. And then in one of the all-time great, like, television disappointments, the Mexican ambassador looks at her after she's like... They rape me every month. They beat me. They, they tase me with a cattle prod. They gouge our eyes out. They chop our fingers and hands off. The Mexican ambassador says, I'm sorry, Alfred. I can't help you. That was a good oh! punch. That was such a gut punch. That was punch. such a gut punch. And she says, we haven't had a baby in six years. In my village, no one's had a baby. No one has given it's her, her city the size of Boston. In six years. Okay, I don't disagree with your hot take completely. I just think it's a little bit uh, uh, unfair categorization of her just because of the position she's in. Kelly and Conway, Spicer, Rance Priebus, and all these losers are just worried about jobs, right? They're going to get hired. They're not. Trump's they're not, not going to no, kill no, them. No, 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 no. I disagree. And this is maybe where you're right that they're more like uh, Mrs. Waterford than they are like. Offered because it's not they're not just it's not just about their jobs for them it's about like saving America from liberals like they will do they they would clearly do anything it, it it goes it's like Mitch McConnell it's like the Mitch McConnell quote all we're gonna do my entire number one goal is to be make sure that Obama is not reelected that's all I care about it's party over the good of the people and now. I don't doubt that Mrs. Waterford, when she was writing those books and giving those speeches, did have some kind of a puritanical belief. But she was out at a movie, at a bang em up movie, you could hear the explosions, eating popcorn with fake butter on it, like driving a car there and yeah. emitting carbon. She, yeah. she was not a purist like she was she is now forced to be and yet she's still towing the party line now we'll see as the show develops maybe she will have have regrets i'm intrigued by this comparison to the trump administration because and not necessarily to trump right but to the people who are part of it okay let me make one more point then you reflect on this this has come up multiple times in this show it's about utilitarianism when they pull the girls out of the line 
Yeah, Mrs. So Waterford the, says to the, the ant, "Sometimes the few have to be sacrificed for." No, no. I, the the scene that you're talking about, Mrs. Waterford says, "You don't put the bruised apples on top of the crate." Oh yeah, right, yeah. right. And then the ant tells off Wilson. I can't remember the the, the handmaid with who's missing an eye. Yeah, um, she says the ant says Aunt Lydia says sometimes we do things for others. Yeah, right the, for the good of others. That's not it. so. I'm just saying the overarching philosophy at play is utilitarianism because it came up last in last week's episode too. Sometimes the 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 good of the whole always overwhelms the good of the individual. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a strong element in the in the series. What I'm intrigued by, and I think as we continue to watch this administration, kind of. It, you know, it's all about what they're against, not what they're for, yeah. as as you pointed out. And really, movements can't survive like that, right? Or they can't thrive. They might survive, but they can't thrive. And this one seems to be imploding um, on a weekly basis. And there's no solid foundation there. And then you look at the leadership in Gilead, and I'm wondering if – is there any way in which we look at the events – the infertility, you know, all that kind of stuff, they don't see that as God's punishment on them for their ways. Yeah. Like this continuing, because if they were doing right, why is it God rewarding them in their theology? God should be rewarding them with fertility. But yet they persevere in this system of rape and abuse and torture and marginalization and they can't see that they're their own undoing. Even Evangelicals in America are, do this very same thing. Like when there's an earthquake or a hurricane, it's because the gays. It's not because the evangelicals control the government and the Supreme Court. <laughs> you know, it's because the 5% minority of GLBT people. I'm going to tell, tell a personal story here that I had a conversation I had yesterday with my mother who was telling me about somebody in their community who has cancer and there's a new medicine out, and they were waiting to hear from their insurance company if they would cover it or what portion of the medicine they would cover. Uh-huh. Because if they wouldn't, if they wouldn't cover any of it, it was going to cost fourteen thousand dollars a month oh, for this medicine. And my parents live in Mississippi, very conservative, both politically and religious. And my mom's telling me this story, and she said that this woman's Sunday school class was praying that the insurance company would cover. The cost of that medicine. Right. Tell me what's wrong with that picture. Yeah. But Ryan, that brings up something in this show that I've been meaning to to bring up in our in our conversation: the lack of God in this show. The lack of God. I'm going to say this. Reference to it. There's reference. They all under his eye. eye, May the Lord Lord open. What do you mean by lack of God? There is there with for all the in his eye and may the Lord open, and when they're scrubbing the blood off the execution wall, you know um, the ant talks about we you know he he purifies us through our suffering and you know there's reference to God okay it's a very m- male patriarchal Calvinistic kind of God. But there's no intimate connection between any of the human beings and God. When the commander prays before he rapes Alfred um, monthly, 
There's no sense that he's really praying. Or when they say, may the Lord open, I mean, it seems like they're saying, may the Lord open the wombs, right? Isn't that what they're saying? May the that's, Lord, my, that's my understanding. May yeah, the Lord open take. our wombs. May, may the Lord open pre- the wombs of the pre- handmaids. But there's no intimate connection with the divine. Nobody is praying in a way that they feel like God is actually involved in any of this. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I, I haven't sensed that with anybody. No. Not from a handmaid, not from a wife, not from an aunt, not from a commander. Nobody, they're under God's watchful eye, but they're not connecting it, with God or communicating with God. You're a historian of religion in a way. I mean, the, theologian, writer. Um, and your research, what is, what is the spiritual ethos of, or what was the spiritual ethos of Puritanism? Because evangelicalism has this idea of Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, yeah. right? You invite Jesus into your heart. It's very intimate. All the praise and worship songs or contemporary Christian music kind of reflect this boyfriend status, right? Jesus is my boyfriend kind of thing. That I'm assuming that would have been alien to Puritans, right? That it would look more like Gilead than it does what you're implying. I think that's true that there's, there was no informality in the religion. That, now, they did pray extemporaneously. They did not just pray, wrote... They certainly weren't following a liturgy. Not, no. They, I mean, they did and they didn't, but they, there were definitely long, extemporized prayers in, in the worship setting and in the home. And we don't see that. And, but we, what we also don't see is that this movement that, that obviously overthrew the U.S. government and established Gilead... It was in any way affected by what is what would be the major Protestant religion in America today, which is what you're talking about, this very informal worship and praise type of deal. That, that we don't see. So these people who founded Gilead, they rejected not just U.S. consumeristic culture and capitalism, they also rejected the dominant Christianity in America right now. Obviously, Catholicism they rejected because they're tearing down cathedrals. But they also right. rejected the charismatic movement, Pentecostalism, and that kind of informal praise and worship, extemporaneous preaching type of thing. And here's another thing we haven't seen, Ryan. We haven't seen them in church. No, no, that's, that's a great point. That would be amazing We've to seen see. We've no clergymen. No, no formal, no state religion. We've not seen it. We've not seen it. And I, in, this, in this way, I hope it's coming because here, here I go again. But there's a funeral in Man, of the High, Man in the High Castle in a church that's been converted into a, basically a Nazi sanctuary. So it's, been, it's devoid of all religious. I mean, it's still religious, but it's been devoid of all theistic elements. It'll be interesting to see if that happens in this. And again, you, you and I have talked about this. Neither of us has read the novel, so I don't know if religion... So there's this religious overlay. In... I would have this in, I would have this in, uh, in future episodes. You know, we haven't watched ahead, so we don't know. They've been greenlit for a second season. I mean, that, that would be a huge opportunity for a, a storyline, you yeah. know. Because now we see that there is an underground movement, Right. Because the Mexican ambassador's husband gives offer, and we haven't even talked about this, you know, informs offered that her husband is alive, yeah, and that he can get a message to him, 
Yeah. And I, I, what a great cliffhanger. But, you know, so, you know, if there's a church, are there opportunities for that to kind of be a protesting church or if there are people within it that are that are kind of working in this underground movement? I want to know from you if Amy and I watch The Goldbergs on ABC, mm-hmm. one of the few shows we watch together. I think it's one of the funniest shows on TV, very underrated. And this one, a recent episode had the family watching um, that 1980s film, The Day After, which was like oh, this Holocaust, I mean, a totally nuclear Holocaust it. film. Yeah, I totally remember it. And, you know, kind of put the nation in a, in a you know, panic or whatever. You know, so, but then we watched The Handmaid's Tale, and there's a lot of people who are wringing their hands, you know, yeah. rightfully yeah. so, about yeah. this show, right? So there's a little bit of parallel there. And then you have news accounts, like, of over the weekend of these white supremacists marching with torches, right? Yes. And you think, then the hand ringing starts all over again. And I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have a point with that other than the, well, let me ask you this. You know, there are people who I, I read a thing from Bloomberg from Megan McArdle, who's a journalist I respect a great deal, and she wrote, "Oh, come on, The Handmaid's Tale would never happen." Everyone's saying, "Oh, this could happen. This could happen. This would never happen." And Trump doesn't bring us any closer to this than. And, and the other thing is, you know, like at first blush, you might be like, "Handmaid's Tale, another another story of religion gone wrong," but this is where I'm like, it's not really religion. I don't see, there's, there are some religious elements or they're like co-opting puritanical Christianity, but I don't see puritanical Christianity even being, those people were fervently religious, the Puritans, fervently religious. And we do not see that. We do not see that in these, in, in the Handmaid's Tale at this, to this point. This is, this is pure utilitarianism. This could be this is more like the philosophy of Princeton philosopher Peter Singer than it is the re- religion. Say more about that. Well, what's, the, what's the log line for Peter Singer? Peter Singer is like the great American utilitarian philosopher who's been very famous for saying that like children who are deformed, they, we should be able to allow to humanely euthanize any child who is in any way defective up to 28 days of age. So either in utero or out ex utero for 28 days if a kid has Down syndrome or is missing an arm or has some other mental or physical um, challenge that our society would be better for everyone, economically more of a viable if we got rid of all, I mean, it's, it's like, it's almost Nazism, right? But he's a very, I would would remove almost, he's a very humane guy. And I mean, he would say, I'm probably not doing justice to his, to his, that's um, not very humane. I don't think that word means what you think it means, but I mean, he, you'd have to read his arguments. He's not dumb is what I'm saying in, I'm, I'm going to say at this point in six episodes in that the handmaid's tale is not about Gilead is not, a nation based on Puritan Christianity. It's a nation based on Singarian utilitarianism. That's what I'm, that's another hot take. Insert needle scratch. What you said about Gilead, you could say about America at, in the current moment. How so? 
it's not a people want to say that this is a Christian nation and it's anything but. Yeah. But it's not utilitarianism. The argument is that what what Gilead has that's different than the United States currently is that the United States right now is a mishmash of a thousand different philosophical and religious systems loosely held together by Lockean social contract theory and a 225-year-old constitution. But other than that, it's, it, Gilead at least has a singular moral perspective, which is another, ready for another hot take? Dude, you're just full of them this I'm morning. Is it, this you is guys what, turn the air conditioner on in your office. This is what Rod Dreher is calling for in the Benedict Option. A singular, unified moral vision for society. And that is not America. And that's why that book is absurd. America is pluralized. It's, it's, it's a mosaic. It's, it's a mishmash of various uh, philosophical and religious systems. And the problem at the moment is that there's really only one aspect of that, you know, multiplicity that's trying to take power. Well, this is... Like, most of us are fine with coexisting. Yeah, right, right, right. Right? Trump and his ilk are not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You've squandered another perfectly good half hour listening to... That's, that was the car talk, guys. Remember? Did you ever hear that? Yeah, I love that show. Hey, speaking of East Coast, next week, I think you're going to be off for the week. I might still be able to swing it, but I'll, we'll play that one by ear. Our guest is going to be Washington Post culture writer and television critic Hank Stuver. One of the it's gr- exciting. One of the great. Looking forward to that conversation. One of the great TV critics in the business. You should read his stuff in the Washington Post. It's top notch, and uh, we're super excited to have him on the show next week on Killer Serials. So that's it for this week. Handmaid's Tale episode six. An amazing, amazing episode. Thanks for people tuning. are watching this. Thanks for thanks for listening to Tony's hot takes. Tony's Hot Takes. It's, it's a new segment here on Killer Serials. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Killer Serials. Bye-bye. I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. Now I'm awake. My name is Alfred. I had another name. Ladies... I have to let you go. It's the law now. They needed to do it this way. All the bank accounts and the jobs all at the same time. You imagine the airports otherwise? Run, run, run! Run, 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 You girls will serve the leaders and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. In your house. We'll send you to the colonies. You'll be cleaning up toxic waste and then you'll die. Tonight is a celebration of Gilead and of what we have achieved. We only wanted to make the world better. Better? Better never means better for everyone. I want to keep on living for her. Remember your scripture. Blessed are the meek. And blessed are those who suffer for the cause of righteousness.